Publishing for Profit podcast is brought to you by Ghostwriters and Co. Earn more money by publishing better content and learn how to increase your thought leadership so you can build your brand. Head over to ghostwritersandco.com for more information. That's ghostwritersandco.com. And now, your host, Joel Mark Harris. Hello, and welcome to the Publishing for Profit podcast. This is your host, Joel Mark Harris. Today, we have a special extra episode. We have Jason Brick on. He is an author, journalist, entrepreneur, ghostwriter, and martial artist. And he is launching a new podcast called Safest Family on the Block. So we uh, talk about safety, what you can do to protect your family from harm. And that can be anything from product safety, cyber safety, or somebody breaking into your home. Um, so it's going to be a really amazing podcast. I urge you to check it all out. Um, he interviews a whole bunch of great guests, which we'll talk about on the show. So without further ado, enjoy this episode. Hello, Jason, and welcome back to the podcast. You are my first reoccurring guest. How are you today? I'm fantastic. I'm, I'm honored. Second, first reoccurring guest. Wow. Well, thank you for having me on again. I hope I didn't bore you too much the first time. <laughs> So you have some very exciting news. You are starting a new podcast uh, called mm-hmm. Safest Family on the Block. Mm-hmm. And I, so I want to talk about safety, obviously. Mm-hmm. You know, growing up, safety was never a big concern for me. And we, we were a family that always left the doors unlocked for better mm-hmm. or for worse. And even now, like, I mean, I think about I don't have children. So that's probably part of it. But, you know, safety is never top of mind. Sometimes, you know, I, I'm worried about the safety of my wife. But, I, you know, as, you know, a family man yourself, how important is safety and how should families think about safety? Man, that's a huge question. And uh, one of the purposes of the podcast was so that I could find out my own self. Because as it turns out, the resources out there aren't what I'd hope to do. You know, during my 20s, during my teens, I was a wrestler in high school, a martial artist in my 20s to this day. Before I had kids, I was walking around. I was a large athletic man who looked broke because I was broke and could take care of myself. So safety really wasn't something I thought about on a regular basis in terms of something that was my problem. You know, even in my 20s, I might have even said in a half-joking fashion that, no, no, you need to worry about being safe from me. But then I had kids. And it changed my, the way that I interact with the world. There's a wonderful quote out there that goes that becoming a parent means spending the rest of your life with your heart walking around outside your body. I love and, that. That's great. Yeah, me too. It, it absolutely nails one of the big parts of being a parent. And then what I also discovered in that time was that much of my martial arts training was great for keeping me safe but would be actively harmful for a small human being nearby me when it was happening. Uh, My first child, we actually adopted when he was eight years old. And one thing I found out within a couple weeks of that was I was doing some training. And at the time I knew about a dozen ways to take a gun away from a person. 10 of them put the barrel pointing kind of downward and behind me. 
which is where my son would be standing if we were in a situation where someone's pointing a gun at me. And there was a lot of that, that I found that the training I had received to protect myself did not translate well to protecting another person. And then when you go out into the resources that are available, most of them are either from a news anchor who is, did some quick internet research because some kid got hurt in their beat and wanted to, thought it would be good to put that report out, or it's from some highly specialized violence professional who doesn't really live in the world we live in. And we'll talk about things that a normal parent wouldn't be willing to do, wouldn't be able to do, or has an assessment of threat that's just well beyond real life in the suburbs. And so, you know, they say if you, need, if you can't find the book you want to read, it's on you to go ahead and write it. So I was fortunate enough to start this podcast and begin interviewing people. And it turned out that a lot of people who really know what's going on with safety and with family safety or aspects you can apply to family safety, they're really eager to come talk to people and tell us about it. So this, in this podcast, I take my background as a martial artist for over 30 years, as a journalist for over 12 years, and as a husband and a father of two, and I interview specialized professionals and bring their knowledge into the context of the family. For example, we've got 10 episodes in the, in the what's the word, in the can right now. And the first one is with the paramedic who's in charge of San Francisco International Airport. And he's talking about the child injuries he's seen too often in his career and what we can do so he doesn't see them anymore. Talking to a suicide prevention specialist about the signs that should perk up our interest and what we can do when we see those signs. Spoke to a former covert operative about um, situational awareness. And I had a career medic walk me through each item in the perfect home first aid kit. And like, okay, what's this? What do we use this for? How do people usually mess up using this? And those kinds of things, those kinds of conversations with people who know a whole lot, but maybe didn't talk about it or think about it in the context of protecting a family rather than protecting a bodyguard client or protecting yourself in the battlefield or the nitty gritty of a daily life in a first responder. Can you tell me a little bit about mm -hmm. the genesis of this podcast and why this form, mm -hmm. obviously this is something you've been planning a while. Mm -hmm. You know, you're a man of many talents. You could go, you can spend your energy in so many different ways. So why did you choose this? And how did you first come up with this idea? That one started with that experience I had with adopting my son. And shortly thereafter, I took my entire family to Malaysia to live for a year because I wanted my kids to spend a year abroad. I had the chance to do that when I was in my 20s. And it was such a fundamentally and important life-changing experience for me that I wanted my kid to have that. And so I became very aware of travel safety in particular. And none of my martial arts training really applied in a real way to keeping your family safe. But I knew a couple of bodyguards. And I started talking to them because, you know, those guys know about travel safety. Those guys know about keeping another person safe when you're in some kind of combat situation. So my first book idea was called, it was going to be called Precious Cargo. And it was specifically applying bodyguard doctrine to family travel safety. And it walked you through basically how a bodyguard team will do advanced work on a, on a hotel or an area before they even show up, how to walk in certain formations, how to move with somebody you're protecting. And I got some good feedback from that, but every single agent I spoke to said, this is way too specialized. 
you're not going to sell this as your first book. The, the potential audience is simply too small. And so that evolved into Safest Family on the Block, where I take the same concept of talking to security professionals, safety professionals of all stripes, and bring that information to parents and families. What, so talking to all these mm -hmm. professionals, you've obviously mm -hmm. um, picked up some tips and some tactics. What are some things families should be aware of that they may not even, not, they may not even have on their radar? So the one that came as the biggest surprise to me was product safety. One of our guests is Rita Robinson. She spent her entire life as a consumer advocacy journalist. And her job was to report on companies that did bad, on product recalls, on how you approach a company if you have a grievance and how to get that grievance worked out. And she talked to me about how the process by which the public finds out about dangerous product recalls was for the longest time, the company would tell the government or the government would find out, and then they would tell the newspapers, and the newspapers would tell the reporter who they had on duty, whose job it was, and that person would do a write-up in the paper. The official process has not changed, even though nobody reads the daily paper anymore, and most papers don't have the budget to have somebody on staff whose job that is. So it's on us now to go to a couple of websites, and on that episode, we have them in the show notes, to go take a look before we go buy the baby crib 3000 and go find out that they put a bear trap in it for some reason or whatever, right? That was the one that came as the biggest surprise to me as somebody who's been thinking about and studying family safety for quite a while. That one came out of the blue, how common it is that products have dangerous issues and how hard it is to accidentally come across that knowledge. That it's, it's on us as parents to go become informed because there isn't an information infrastructure that will otherwise bring it to us. You know, it's not, it's not as sexy as learning like a gun disarm or a Jackie Chan move or, you know, getting a Navy SEAL to talk to you about situational awareness, but it's real and it's important. And that's the kind of surprises that I was hoping to find as I started out on this journey. Uh, okay, so going back to your podcast, can you tell us what format um, you're going to have it in, when it's going to be released, and you know, I know you talked a little bit about some of the, um, the guests that you have on, mm -hmm. and I've seen the list, and it's really exciting because I think you've got some amazing experts on there. But I know, they're so generous. <laughs> I was so surprised that I get people of that caliber to come on the show, but they, they, they really were very generous with their time and really generous with their knowledge. And some of that knowledge was earned the hard way. And they're just giving it away because they think it's important. I was, I'm very excited and very pleased by our guest list. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about, uh, more about who you, you're, you're, you're having on and who you mm -hmm. plan to maybe um, interview in the future? Oh, wow. So I already mentioned a few folks. Uh, besides them... We've got a Linda Sanderson, who spent her life as a crime journalist and then as an investigator for a criminal defense attorney who has spent a lot of time with criminals and is talking to us about how criminals choose their victims. Hmm. That's another person on the team. Um, let me see here. Who else? I unfortunately did not bring the list here in front of me. But uh, oh, I talked about uh, Karen, who's our suicide specialist. She actually uh, received the Order of Canada for her work in suicide prevention. And she, I cheated a little to get her on because she's my mother-in-law. <laughs> but, but she came. Uh, 
we, oh, Alex Bromley from Verbal Judo came on and talked to us about communicating with our kids in ways that create a win-win situation, to take our ego and our fear aside and have the conversation to get the job done rather than often as parents because we're so emotionally invested in our kids. It can be easy to allow the emotion to overrun the conversation. And verbal judo is a style of communication originally designed for law enforcement. But we talked about how to turn that on its ear a bit and use it to get what we need out of conversations, both with our smaller children and especially with teenagers. And so it's a good lineup. And moving forward, we've got, got Rory Miller's probably going to come on. He's one of the foremost uh, self-defense and conflict communication authors operating today. Really smart guy. A little crazy, but in just the right way. I'm really looking forward to seeing what he has to say. Uh, I'm talking to a handful of bodyguards about doing some of that work too, about how to do an advance on a hotel, about squad tactics. Um, got a long list of folks for season two, as I'm calling it. And it's going to be a lot of fun. Nice. Yeah. Um, you had asked about um, format, and we're going yes. to be releasing in three formats. Uh, first of all, it's just a conversation. Most of them are about an hour, and it's just like this. We sit down on the Zoom, we talk about stuff. I'm also releasing what I'm calling the TLDR series, where I just take the five things, the five most important points from each video. And so I'll have just ensure childhood injuries, and then TLDR, just ensure childhood injuries. That'll be like a five to seven minute video for folks who don't have the time to listen to the whole thing. And I'll also be just taking the audio track and releasing that as a podcast for people who'd rather listen to it in the car. Because I think that if I'm going to be talking about family and child safety, I should not be encouraging you to watch videos in the car. And when is it going to be released every, like, weekly, bi-weekly? So season one, which is the first 10 episodes, is going to be releasing on Tuesdays and Fridays, starting August 4th with Justin's interview and the second one's with Karen Lutovsky. And then after we've released the first season, we'll be going to weekly episodes. I wanted to front load things so people have plenty of stuff to watch just right out the gate. And then we'll go to a more weekly release, probably sticking to Tuesdays, but I'll take a look at the analytics before I make a final decision on that. Awesome. So what's, what are some of the takeaways that parents especially can use that you've learned that you can pass on? So some of the biggest, most important ones, um, Jim Alsop, who worked as a prosecutor for the United States Department of Justice, the Attorney General's office, he sat down and talked to us about some situational awareness things. And one of the best takeaways I got from him was involving our kids, even our young kids, by making games out of just getting in the habit of paying attention. A really good one that he suggested that he does is when he gets out of the car at a restaurant or something, he'll see how much he can remember about the car next to him. Like license plate, make, model, color, what's in the back seat, and just as a way of training his brain to just be aware of and remember details. That's a bit much to ask of a five-year-old. <laughs> but we can play the game of, okay, look at the cars on either side of your car. When we come back, are the same cars there? And that builds that muscle of paying attention and remembering and for a busy family, if you leave the car, if you leave and you note the two cars and you come back and you notice that there's an idling panel van to the left where it wasn't before, that trips that, you know, your internal radar and you start thinking, hmm, in a way that you might not have if you weren't in the habit of paying attention. So that was a really good one. 
So you mentioned suicide uh, a while back and, and that episode. I think that's a super, I mean, they're all, honestly, they're all super important topics, but Ooh. I I have a feeling that, you know, that is probably one that is the most difficult to deal with as a parent. And yeah, I could so not I, imagine. Yeah. Is, you know, is there something that you can, maybe if you could talk a little bit about what you learned mm-hmm. in that episode and, and how parents can look for signs maybe or anything else that would be helpful. Absolutely. And it's one of the most important things to remember about suicide is you've got two kind of different large categories of suicide. And there's the suicide because of something going on in life where the child is sad or afraid and doesn't have, it doesn't see a way out. Sometimes they're influenced by media or by peers, and often maybe it's even revenge-motivated, kind of the suicide that we've always thought of when we think about teen suicide. And then there's this suicide that has been brought on by mental illness. And those are two very, very different things that require very, very different solutions. And so being aware of the possibility of mental illness in your child, being aware of a history of mental illness in your family, And most importantly, not being in denial about the possibility that our children might require counseling or even medication under certain circumstances. You know, I'm not a huge fan of the kind of automatic medication vibe that goes on in public schools. You know, the schools will say, kids, don't do drugs unless you mildly inconvenience an adult, and then we'll hop you up, right? (laughs) But there are also cases where asking somebody, asking somebody who's clinically depressed to just buck up and deal is like asking somebody with a broken leg to walk a marathon. And that's a very different thing than somebody who's going through some trouble and sees suicide as a way out or commits suicide as a cry for help. And so first of all, understand those two things and be aware for them. And then the other thing was that there are very few specific behaviors, maybe no specific behaviors that will tell you, oh man, if your kid starts wearing these clothes or your kid says these things in a conversation, that means they're considering suicide. But what you want to be alert for is changes in your child's behavior. If your kid is wearing black and with the eyeliner and moping about, listening to thrash metal and behaving all the emo as a default, that's not a sign that they might commit suicide. But if they're like that and then all of a sudden they stop going to concerts and taking joy from their music, that's a warning sign. And so, and that, that actually meshes very well with the most important aspects of situational awareness as well. You know, a noisy bar is not necessarily dangerous. A quiet bar is not necessarily dangerous, but when the noisy bar goes quiet, that's when you need to start looking for the exit. And it's the same with watching your child for signs of trauma, signs for suicidal ideation that watch for those changes in behavior. And of course, keep communication on lanes as open as, as open as possible by creating a pattern and a habit and a tradition of talking and spending time together so you can see spot those changes in behavior when they happen another big issue and i'm not sure if you've touched on this in your um in your podcast yet but is cyber safety Mm. um especially since you know i didn't grow up with you know all this social media and i can only imagine how difficult it is growing up with if, you know, being in contact with the world, you know, 24 seven, and, and there's a whole bunch of, you know, you open up so many dangers with social media, with letting people in through your phone and with your Mm -hmm. computer. 
Uh, I don't know if you can talk a little bit about that and what you've learned uh, about cyber safety. So we have an episode with Kevin Jarvis, who's a guy who spent his career in cybersecurity, and he's a parent as well, talking specifically about how we can make mobile devices more secure and more safe for our children to use them, both in terms of things we can set up on that phone so they can't get themselves in as much trouble, and things that we can do personally in our relationship with technology to keep things safe and secure. And then in season two, we have an episode with a police officer who spent his recent career in child trafficking, child exploitation, and, taught, and he's going to talk to us specifically about lures, online lures, online techniques that people use to separate kids from their parents. And so we're going to have a lot of information about that coming out in the next, in the next couple of seasons because just like you, man, it's, it's a weird thing because we did not grow up. We do not speak that language as a native. And our kids do, and we should be. We should count on our teenagers doing it better than us. <laughs> and so, what do we do? We can't outsmart them on the web because it would be like taking my two years of college Spanish and going and trying to beat win bar trivia in a, you know, in a pub in Mexico City. It's just not going to work. And Kevin has some very good suggestions for that. Most of them are very technical. Like, well, you go to this link and you have to download this app, or you. Have, do these specific things on Facebook, et cetera. But yeah, that episode's got some really good information and I'm really looking forward to my conversation with Alex about uh, the childhood online lures and what we can do there as well. Nice. And so you're turning mm -hmm. this podcast into a book. Uh, that's you, the notion. That's the notion. <laughs> can you tell us a little bit about <laughs> that plan and yeah, yeah and what you, what you uh, are going to do with that, with your book. So right now I'm a, I'm kind of still working on some aspects of the strategy because my hope is to actually do the traditional publishing deal on those books. However, I also want to monetize this program less than three years from now. And as you know, from being an experience, experience in the publishing industry, the timeline from idea to publication in traditional publishing is quite long. So the book, Safest Family on the Block, is going to be the first of three books. And it's Safest Family on the Block, a hundred things you can do today to make your family safe kind of things. And it'll be everything from installing some of those apps that we talked about to knowing these signs for suicidal ideation to getting a schedule to re replacing the batteries in your smoke detector. And this is actually something that my family does. Every year we also replace our fire extinguisher. We don't buy the $200 rechargeable fire extinguisher. We buy the $25 Home Depot disposable fire extinguisher. And you replace that once a year. And on that day, you go set a fire in the backyard and have your kids practice pulling the pin and using the thing so everybody in the house knows how to use the fire extinguisher. So it'll be 101 things like that or 100 things like that. Uh, the second book is Safest Family on the Town which then takes the same concept, only, only applies it to driving safety, safety at school, dealing with stalkers, uh, situational awareness at the mall, things like that. And then the third book will be Safest Family in the World and apply to foreign travel, wide, broad travel safety, kind of the first book concept I had, only at a more appropriate time in the journey of this whole brand. Now, between now and then, I'm going to be releasing a few other smaller books. I'm working right now on what I'm calling a home safety blueprint which will be a workbook where you actually draw a map of your house and then from a checklist, okay, well, these are where the fire extinguishers should be. Do I have fire extinguishers? Um, do I have enough fire extinguishers? 
And I'll actually, I tell a story on myself that, you know, I have two fire extinguishers in my home and my home's up. It's a one story kind of sprawling place that has three bedrooms on one side and the master bedroom and the kid's bedroom on the other side. And so I had a fire extinguisher in both of those hallways when my children were very small. My second son was homegrown as it were, and he lives right across the hall from the master bedroom. And I was keeping the fire extinguisher there in the hall. But then it occurred to me one day, well, if the fire's in the hall, I can't reach my kid or the fire extinguisher. <laughs> so now the fire extinguisher lives inside the master bedroom, right? And so this blueprint is designed to help parents not make that mistake by giving in, you know, you'll have a map of your house that you draw in and then you can place the fire extinguishers, take a look at the points of entry, take a look at the perimeter of the house. One of the other episodes was, was with John Riddle, who is, he was Black Belt's Instructor of the Year for 2012. He was an officer in Florida who served more than a thousand warrants as the lead of a SWAT team. So if there's anybody in the world who knows how to stop someone from kicking in a door, it's a guy who's kicked in a thousand doors. Uh, and so he had all kinds of really good advice about how to make your house a harder target. And so applying some of those advice, something as simple as the screws that hold your door lock in place in the jam are like a half an inch. So you take those out and you put in a good four inch carpentry screw and the door, it won't stop somebody from kicking in the door really. But what it will do is it will take a lot longer to make a whole lot more noise and it'll give you the warning you need to execute whatever your home escape plan is. And the blueprint will also have a place to, to draw out your home escape plans. You know, you, you look at, at elementary schools, high schools, a lot of large corporate buildings, they have a manual this thick of emergency procedures, one for earthquakes, one for tornadoes, one for, right? No one's going to memorize that, least of all a four-year-old in your house. So in your house, you have two plans. You have bug out and you have bug in, right? And you decide. In our household, if somebody kicks in the door, our plan for that, despite my own combat experience, is identical to our fire plan. Everybody get the hell out, meet next door, call, <laughs> call the authorities. If you have a different plan, maybe because you don't have a one-story house, and so there's a second story that's harder to escape from, maybe if somebody comes in, you have a different plan that involves the kids going to a safer room and the adult taking a firearm to, the, to a choke point on the staircase or whatever, but the, uh, this blueprint will allow you to set that plan and make a decision and then communicate that to your family. So that's one of the one of the books I'll be releasing soon. The other one is going to be a book of games you can play with your kids to get them on team safety in a way that's fun, in a way that doesn't scare them, in a way that empowers them and gives them ideas. And also the study has been coming out that anything you learn in play, you learn about twice as fast and retain 10 times as long as something you learn in a more academic environment. So. Those are the two shorter books that will be coming out in the near future while I work through the timeline of traditional publishing. I think that's awesome because like a lot of those techniques that you just described, they are super simple to execute, mm -hmm. right? Like I'm thinking about where my fire extinguisher is now and, mm -hmm. and where it should be. Um, and so I want to I wanna talk about a recent yeah. uh, video that you released, um, you being a competitive guy you um you <laughs> held up this book as the number one um uh, book on child safety uh can you mm -hmm. talk a little bit about um what your plan is to um to supersede this book oh absolutely so this book is protecting the gift 
and it's actually a follow-up book to, oh, where is it here? There it is. The Gift of Fear. Gavin DeBecker's company, DeBecker & Associates, is if you work for the government and you do not rate a social, uh, social security, sorry, uh, um, oh, good Lord, I'm blanking on the name, it's Saturday morning. The guys, the security guys who protect the president. Oh, um, secret, uh, Se secret Service. Yeah, secret, if you don't warrant a Secret Service detail, Gavin DeBecker's the guy you hire. Oprah hires him, you know, his company is the guys. And The Gift of Fear was his treatise on how to apply what he knew and how, about attacks and about self-defense to keep yourself safe. And Protecting the Gift was his follow-up book specifically for parents that took about half of the information from Gift of Fear and applied it to protecting your family and then also got into specialized information about schools, nannies, cybercrime, things like that. And it's an excellent, excellent book. And it's was one of the first things I read, was one of the first things recommended to me. And if you're out there and, you, and you're not part of the security community right now, but you know somebody who's an experienced legitimate martial artist or a police officer or a career military person, and you ask them, hey, what's the book I should read about personal safety? Nine out of 10 of them will tell you the gift of fear. Uh, there's a joke running around in the sex and... It, the sexist part of the um, security community about, okay, what's the book you bought for most of your ex-girlfriends? <laughs> the Gift of Fear, <laughs> right? And so it's, the bar is really high. And the way that I intend to surpass it is mostly in breadth of scope. Protecting the Gift is about protecting your children from physical assault. It doesn't touch on fire safety. It doesn't touch on suicide prevention in a meaningful way. It doesn't touch on driving skills. It doesn't talk, touch on injury prevention unless those injuries are from a bad actor attacking your kid. So I want to expand the concept of that book. And man, I really hope to get Gavin DeBecker on the show at some point. I would just... So Mr. DeBecker, if you're listening, it's all in good fun about how I'm going to take you down. And I would, love, I would love to have you on the show. But so those are the ways that I hope to surpass that book. Another piece of it is that Mr. DeBecker has a, it's not necessarily an unjustified view, but a very narrow view on gun ownership. And he doesn't address it in the nuanced way that I think life in America requires because his advice about guns in the home is don't have a gun in your home. And although that is a very reasonable decision for a lot of families, if you do have a gun in your home, I would like to be able to give you the best advice that I've been able to find on how to keep that gun in a safe way and how to deploy it effectively in your home. So anyway, that's um, how I plan to surpass protecting the gift. And I think, I think I have a plan that might be able to do it, but I'll need the help of folks like you and folks like your viewers to get involved, ask the right questions, tell me where I'm wrong, tell me what I've missed. So I can go on on the next episode and answer those questions too. Awesome. Well, thank you, Jason, for being on the show. I appreciate your time. Um, can you just Joel, thank you us? so much for having me, man. Hey, anytime. Um, can you remind us when the um, episodes are going to go live, where people can find you? August 4th will be the first episode, and it'll be Tuesdays and Thursdays through the first 10 episodes, and then after that, every Tuesday most likely. You can find us on Facebook at Safest Family on the Block. You can find me at my Facebook page, Jason Brick. 
There's three or four Jason Bricks, but I'm the only one who's into martial arts and tabletop role-playing games. And then our YouTube channel is Safest Family on the Block, and you can find that pretty easily. And, you know, like and subscribe if you can, because you, it's shocking how much of a difference that makes in the success of a channel because of the way that Google and YouTube uh, do their algorithms around video. Perfect. Thank you so much, Jason. Thank you, Joel. Thank you for listening to Publishing for Profit. Please like and subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.